Hello, everyone. You are listening to Say No to Tyranny, Say Yes to Barbecue podcast on Cruciform, Fill the Earth Network, a network that seeks to flood the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. As Habakkuk 2.14 says, how is everyone doing today? Thank you for listening and subscribing to, uh, to our podcast, and please tell your friends to do the same. We can now be found on iTunes and Spotify for easy listening access. This podcast is all about glorifying God in all areas of life. Christ is king and ruling over every square inch of the earth, hence all of Christ for all of life. Let's get podcasting. So today, um, our guest is a guy I admire so greatly. Over this summer, when we were going through the fight with the health department at our restaurant, um, he came and he supported us and encouraged us. He rooted for us. Why? Because he is a constitutionalist and he loves liberty. He is an author of many house bills, including HB4, the resolution to end the state of emergency in Indiana. The one, the only, Kurt Nisley. Kurt is the Indiana House Representative of District 22. He is serving his third term in office after winning overwhelmingly again his seat in June of last year. Over the last four years, he has introduced a bill that would abolish abortion in the state of Indiana. Every year, this bill gets put in a committee where it dies and never sees the House floor for a vote. He just introduced it again last week for the fifth straight year, and we are praying that this year will be the year that it sees a vote. Kurt, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. It's great to be with you here, Matt, and with all your listeners. Well, thank really you, cool. Kurt. I appreciate that. Thank for coming. Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, so you did author the HB4, and I want to just bring that up real quick because. I had Donald Rainwater on my uh, podcast last week, and we talked about it, and we encouraged people to to email, to call, to you know, uh, bump up against their state representatives to not let that go to committee. And the update on that is okay. Well, first of all, let's get the terminology right here. Uh, let's it's do that. H C R four. This is House Concurrent Resolution Number Four. So, and, and the reason it's a concurrent resolution is very, it's spelled out in the, in the Indiana Code. Uh, so when the governor declares an emergency, the Indiana Code says that emergency will continue until the governor e- ends the emergency or declares it to be ended. But it also says that the legislature can end the emergency with a concurrent resolution. So I actually worked with the Attorney General's office to get the wording right on HCR4, this concurrent resolution uh, that would end the state of emergency. So this is the state of emergency that was first declared on March, uh, the beginning of March. March 6th. March, March 6th, 2020, and has been renewed 10 times, I think it is, yep. uh, over 300 days now. And it, it just is dealing with this current emergency. It doesn't change. It doesn't do anything about anything going forward, but just says that this current emergency, which has been renewed 10 times, is over. Uh, in fact, if you read the Indiana Code there, 
it's just the resolution itself doesn't end the emergency. It just says then the governor must do an executive order that declares the emergency to end. So the, it's still up to the governor to do it. Yeah. But this concurrent resolution is stating the will of the legislature that the state of emergency ends. Now, with that, this doesn't end. It doesn't change the virus in any way. The virus is going to virus. Right. The virus is going to do virusy things. <laughs> yes. Okay. But what we're saying with this resolution, it's time to change the way the state government relates to that virus. Yeah. It says that people have been adequately informed and educated about the, the virus, how to take care of themselves. It also says that people should be responsible for their own health and safety. It's not really the government's job uh, to protect you from everything. Right. And so it is time to... To move on, it is time to end the state of emergency that we have been under and uh, let the virus virus, let the virus do its thing, uh, but get the state government out of the way. Amen. You know, so obviously we are all for that um, because our livelihoods um, got taken away because of the edicts that the governor mm-hmm. was um doing and why the mandates that he was he was uh executively uh what how what verbiage am i looking for that he was putting forth yeah he was he was putting out executive orders executive orders yes. yes and uh and those executive orders initially um you know when they first came out you know of course we didn't know what we were dealing with but over time and we started seeing, and then we started seeing the effects it had in a lot of different areas, and and who it was affecting. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 kind of were like, you know, we're not going to comply to um, the the edicts anymore because this doesn't seem like it's about health; it's more about compliance, which in return got our restaurant shut down, um, and then so our livelihoods have been affected my livelihood have been affected by what the governor has been doing. So I am all for the HB4, right? HCR4. Thank you. HCR4. And so and so the HCR4, but today I did I you know I brought you here. In fact, we're we're talking face to face. Are we violating the governor's orders? <laughs> I don't think we're 6 feet apart. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. The governor cannot um should not have any control over what you do in your own house, man. Okay. Well, we are in my own house, and we're face-to-face, and we are drinking some bourbon, actually. Um, cheers. Cheers. So we are drinking some River or Devil River bourbon. It's a Texas bourbon, 58% alcohol, which would make it, what, 117 proof? It's kind of it's kind of bitey, isn't it's, it? It's got some bite to it. It's pretty good stuff. So uh, having said that... Um, and as important as the HB4, HCR4, the HCR4 bill is. What? Well, Donald Rainwater called it the HB4, okay. so they, okay. let's blame him, all okay. right? Yeah, all go, right? Go ahead, blame him. <laughs> blame him for all the world's problems, for all I care. <laughs> uh, as much as that is important to us, there's another bill that is uh, you authored and, and John Jacob signed on to or co-authored. Um, that is way more important. So, um, we're talking about House Bill 1539. And just let me say this. Um, 
So I come at it as a perspective in the perspective of, of um, an abolitionist who, who actually goes to abortion mills um, every chance I get. And, you know, here I, I, I had to take a seasonal job to, to provide for the family since our restaurant got shut down. So I wasn't able to um, get down there in the last couple of months, except for last Friday I did because the seasonal job is over now. But anyhow, um, we, so I go down to the abortion mills and we preach the gospel and we try to plead with the mothers um, to not um, to not end the life of their babies because we try to we try to tell them truth, objective truth, and that is that they do have a, a, a life in their womb, image bearer of God, right? So God created that life, and life begins at conception, doesn't it, Kurt? It does. I think science is very clear on that by now. And what does the Indiana Code say about life? So in the Indiana Code, it says that life begins at conception. Now, it has a bit more of a fancy way of saying it. Yeah. Um, and I think you might have the exact words in front of you. But, but here's the deal. Before a mother can have an abortion, uh, the doctor needs to tell her um, verbally and also have it in writing. And she has to sign a document that says the doctor told her this and she's aware of this. And part of that list of things that she's signing is do you have it in front of you there matt i'm looking for it okay um so yeah. even though like so according to indiana code it does say that uh that life does begin at, at conception um it, it it begins when the sperm and the ovum meet right correct correct um, that and, is in that is in Indiana Code 1634.2.1. Sorry, 1634.2.1.1. A1E is the exact place to find it. Yes, so you could go there, go to iga.gov. Um, iga.in.gov. And, yes. and, and look it up. And, and Indiana State okay, says that that's when life um start so the 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 argument of you know it's not really a life it's uh, just a clump of cells is out the window isn't it indeed indeed if you go back to the roe v wade back in the early 70s uh then the the court was saying well nobody really knows when life begins you know religion and and science and philosophy they can't really know when life begins well, that was back then, a long time ago, just soon after I was born. But now science has progressed. Uh, we know that life begins at conception. It's been in the Indiana Code for many years now, uh, this statement, uh, that life begins at conception. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're well past that part of the argument. Like, it's, it's the truth. And it's even real. even science, they're not even denying that anymore. Oh, if indeed. you look at secular science, they're it's, saying that. And when I say secular science, I mean political science, really. <laughs> like when politics and science combine, they're not even denying the fact that it's a clump of cells. They're saying, yeah, it's a it, it is a life, but the woman still has the right to choose. It's her body, her choice, and and so and that and that's kind of what's fueling um, abortions across America is the right in the health care of women. 
But in your bill that you have wrote, and did John just sign on to it, or did he co-author it, or John signed? John Jacobs signed on as a co-author this year. Awesome, and he that's just, the first time you've ever had anybody sign on to your bill, isn't it? Th- this is, and and John Jacob, uh, he's a newly elected state representative, uh, South Side of Indianapolis, and he ran on this issue. This yeah. was very important to him. This was his number one thing. Is this bill the, and, and beyond that, just the the whole concept of ending abortion here in Indiana? Yeah, and so this bill would do it. Yes, and so here's the deal: we have uh, over the the summer, spring, when it, when all these uh, Republicans uh, who were sending me mailers and everybody in the state mailers, whoever they're their representative is or their state senator they were they were sending out mailers talking about being pro-life protecting the unborn talking about how they are the most pro-life how they have a hundred percent um um pro-life acceptance from right to life so it seems like in republicans own or they don't own, but they have a supermajority in the House, the Assembly, and in the Senate in the state of Indiana. So overwhelming Republicans are running the the state house, the House of Assembly, and the Senate. And so, and they're all pro-life, and they're all super pro-life, and they love life. But yet, why has it been this? Why is it this is the fifth time you are presenting this bill? And it hasn't been passed yet. If they're so pro-life, the reason I keep filing this bill is to get to the place where uh, we can have the votes. We can get the vote and have the votes to pass this. And I hope it's this year. Um, it would be great if it'd be this year. But if it doesn't happen this year, then we after the next election cycle, hopefully we can get there. there it's, there's going to be a time when this becomes law in Indiana. Um, I have no doubt about it. Right. Um, I don't know when. Uh, f- five years ago when I first filed it, I knew it, would, it could be a few years. Um, here we are five years later, and... The whole conversation about abortion has changed in those last five years. The whole idea of, of state sovereignty, of states saying no to the federal government, you don't have any business. The Supreme Court can't decide what we do on this issue here in Indiana. Um, the, and then a, a lot of the other arguments, which we'll probably be getting into as, as we go along here, Arguments that were front and center early on have just kind of just faded away. Uh, this this has gone much more mainstream over the last five years than I could have ever imagined. Abolishing abortion. Oh, yes. Is, yes, yes, yeah. yep. Like right now, at least 10 states and maybe more uh, have, have bills similar to ours uh, to abolish abortion in their states. At the federal level, there was a bill in the House, the in yeah the House of Representatives in the Congress, uh, that would have de- defined life as beginning at conception, and when I had checked, there were 117 sponsors on it, including three 
congressman from here in Indiana. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole idea of the, that we're talking about here has become much more mainstream than... Uh, it's ever been. Than it's ever been in yeah. the last 50 years since Roe yep. v. Wade. I, yes, and you know, so what, what's interesting is, is, and you brought this up, was that the Supreme Court ruled and in, in, in pretty much ruled on a case, uh, Roe versus Wade, and then made it supposedly the law of the land. But constitutionally, they can't make law of the land, can they, the Supreme courts, Court? Courts do not make laws. Who does, Kurt? Okay, legislatures make laws. Yeah, and we've definitely seen it this summer play out here in Indiana. And, and I, frankly, I have a much greater respect for the process of making laws. Uh, when when the governor was doing his executive orders through the spring and summer, and sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but going back to where we were earlier. Right. No, when, I think when, it all connects. When, when, the, when the governor was you know, calling some businesses essential and not essential and said, you know, some can open and some can't, and some people can go to work and others can't, there was all kinds of problems with that. Uh, because you know, when one man is making these decisions, there's lots of unintended consequences. But when you have 150 members of the legislature, 100 in the House, 50 in the Senate, we come from all over this state, and we bring our different ideas, and we throw them all in. You know, if somebody says, oh, this is great for central Indiana, and then somebody says, no, but in northern Indiana, that does not work, you know, or, or the other way around. And yeah. and we... we all have the ability to get our put our input into these ideas and vote on them. Uh, it is much better, and so you don't want one man and you don't want one court making decisions uh, that affect everything. That is not what a republic is about. Right now, I'd like to go back to the Supreme Court. Yes, and, and remember, the Supreme Court was the the body that just before the Civil War said that slavery is legal and okay. And then we had the Civil War, and then it ended. But the Supreme Court was wrong, yep. right? Yeah, it was okay. wrong. And then well, if you really go back wrong. into the, the, the 50s, before the Civil Rights Movement, they said that, uh, that segregation was okay, that it was good, that it was lawful. And then, of course, we had the Civil Rights Movement, and then things changed. But the Supreme Court was wrong. And so... We've seen it other times. Oh, um, I remember in the 2016 presidential debates when Hillary Clinton was debating Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton made a comment about some Supreme Court case that she disagreed with, and she said the Supreme Court is wrong on that. It just so happens that that was the, the fall that I was writing this bill for the first time, and I remember thinking, if Hillary Clinton can say the Supreme Court was wrong, then Kurt Nisley and the people of Indiana can say the Supreme Court is wrong. Yeah. yeah, Amen. So the thing is, though, is that the Supreme Court, like they overstepped their, their, their powers. Because it has to come through, like law has to come through legislation. Indeed. Um, and that would be the Congress. And then it'd have to be passed in the Senate and then signed by the president, right? Mm -hmm. And that becomes law. That's how laws that, are made. Abortion has never went through that process. No. Ever. And and even if it did, we'd still fight against it. But it, the, the point is, is that it never went through that process. And then let's take it to COVID. 
So then, so then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, we're seeing where states have all these powers. New York can do this. California can do that. South Dakota can do this. And they look totally different, right? Correct. And how awesome is uh, that governor from South Dakota? <laughs> the one that said, we're just going to let the people be free and right. be responsible for themselves? It's crazy she's out there on an island all by herself. <laughs> but anyhow, so all of a sudden now we're seeing that state has power. Yeah. The governors do have power. Oh, yeah. And, and we could end abortion if we just voted through your bill to end it. If you, Indeed. If, right? Indeed. So, again, I, and I, I don't want to press this too hard, but why aren't pro-life Republicans signing? Why, why aren't they like, yeah, I want to sign that bill with you. I want to co-author that bill with you. Why is it so hard to find people, pro-life Republicans, to sign that bill? Well, I, explain to my audience on why... The, all these mellers they were getting all summer long saying they're the most pro-life candidate that ever lived. Why won't they sign on to a pro-life bill that actually ends it? Matt, you keep asking that question, <laughs> and I hope you figure it out. Um, I have some speculation, but I don't think I'm going to dive into that today. I'm not going to talk for other people. Um, I, I can talk for myself. So let me say it this way then. Um, so for the voters, let me talk to the voters for a second. The voters, if you're a voter out there and you got these, these, uh, millers in the mail and they talked about how right for life endorses them and, and how, um, they're the most pro-life candidate and how they, they want to protect the unborn, but yet they don't do anything to actually end the slaughter of our babies in the state of Indiana, when they have a chance to do it, are they really pro-life? That's the question that I have. And I get it. Um, you know, I get politics. I get how it works. But it's time to to actually put the, our money where our mouth is. And if you're going to say you're pro-life, then support Nisley's bill. And if you're not pro-life, then just say that. Because um, in Oklahoma, I believe two years ago, maybe last year, uh, a bill similar to yours actually got on the House floor. So let's talk about what happens to your bill once you file it, and then I want to get back to what happened in Oklahoma. Um, so you file your bill, yep. and then it goes to committee. Yes, the Speaker assigned it to a committee, and this year he assigned it to the Judiciary Committee. Yep. Which is uh, a different committee a different than what committee. it's always been, it's right? It's been, yes. So uh, we have a new Speaker. Todd Houston is the Speaker of the House this year. And uh, he, he used a different process for the former speaker, Brian Bosma. He always assigned every bill dealing with abortion. Now, he said abortion, gambling, alcohol, and a bunch of other things would, were going to public policy. For, for the former speaker, abortion was just a public policy question. It didn't have to do with life. It didn't have to do with, uh, yeah, with 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 the baby it was just a question of public policy so the fact that that speaker todd houston has now assigned it to judiciary i think is a sign that he's realizing that this bill is more than just a public policy question uh this is a, a judicial question now wow well that's that's encouraging right mm -hmm. i mean that could be some hope and and actually them looking at it differently than the way they've always indeed, looked at indeed. it. Indeed, and I, and I would say that uh, just yeah, just 
looking at it, I think judiciary is a much better place for this bill than well, good. public policy. All, well, that, that is real encouraging to hear, you know. And so going back to Oklahoma, uh, so, so the bill the last four years have been put down or was sent to a committee, like you said, and, and, but it never made it out of committee. How do bills make it out of committee? Like just in general. Okay, so there's a there's a chairman for each committee, and the chairman decides what to put on the agenda for each committee meeting, which bills to call for a hearing, uh, and then there's a public hearing. The public can always have their input on any bill, and then there can be a vote. Uh, the chairman can call it for a vote um, or not, and so. And then it would have to have at least 50% plus one of the members of the committee to pass out of that committee. Okay, and you just have not had the votes in the last four we, years? We've never had a hearing. Okay. You, so going back to Oklahoma then, it did get out of the committee. It, it, it got on the House floor in Oklahoma, right? I, I, I'm not... You're not familiar? Well... So that's fine. A year, uh, a year. I believe it was last year, or maybe the year before, a bill like yours finally... And they were, the, Oklahoma is probably about 10 years ahead of us in this. And and uh, they got it... They, got, they actually got it to a House vote. And 70% of Republicans voted against it. Wow. And... And so what Republicans really want to do is they want to regulate abortion. Um, they, want, they, want, they want to say that they're pro-life, but they, they, they want to um, regulate it out of ex- existence. And they're saying it's going to take over 100 years to do. <laughs> and so my, my point is this. This is my point, not Kurt Nisley's point, my point, is that it, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And if we're pro-life, we're pro-life. So my question to you, Kurt Nisley, is what has pro-life politicians in the recent future or in the recent uh, past, what have they done to be considered pro-life as far as legislating bills? Like, have they have they tried to legislate things that slow it down? Do you know of any specifics that they have done that tries to... Um, make it harder to have abortions? Like what would be considered pro-life according to um, I, the, the mind of a politician that's pro-life? Okay. So I think almost, I've been there six years, and I think almost every year we've had some kind of pro-life in quotes uh, bill uh, come through. Uh, I think one of the more recent ones was, you know, if, if you have an abortion, abortion and the baby is, dies at home, then you can take it back to the abortion clinic and they can bury it if you choose to do that. Uh, I think that was a response to that uh, fiasco of the abortion doctor taking babies from Indiana over to Illinois to his house. Uh, we've had things like you can't abort a baby based on its sex or its race or its you know possible disability you know if you know that your baby's going to have down syndromes you can't abort the baby because of that uh, so there have been a few of those those bills that have come through uh, we've we have a ban on the uh, dismemberment procedure in indiana except for situations where it's allowed but otherwise it's banned in indiana 
Um, and well, that's suction, right? You can't cut them apart with surgical instruments anymore, but you can suck them apart, correct? Y- well, yeah. And I mean, so, that's what that's, and that's considered a pro-life yeah, legislation, yeah, correct? Yeah. And even and even then, in that one, there was ex- exceptions for special cases. Uh, for um, you could still use the the procedure in certain times. Uh, but what has happened with nearly every bill that has become law in Indiana has been challenged, and the federal courts have said, no, it's not the law in Indiana. And so they, they've, they've not gone into effect. And so as I'm talking about this bill, the argument that a lot of people use is that this will just create a big lawsuit. And I'm looking at it like, well, but I think every pro-life bill that comes through, there's a lawsuit, and the state has to defend it. You know, the state of Indiana has spent millions of dollars defending these, this legislation over the, the years. And so why, why, not, why not go through with this one? And I actually address that issue straightforward in the bill. And so another, so I want to get back to that too. Okay. But um, another thing is ectopic pregnancies. So when I when I uh, talk to people and even even Republicans that are in office in my local community, the two things I hear about is is if this bill passes, a federal judge is, or a judge is just going to reverse it. So therefore, why do it? It's a waste of time. And two is it doesn't protect the ect- uh, ectopic pregnancy of, of a woman. Could you fill us in on how you changed the bill this year to kind of uh, include at least the ectopic pregnancy part of it? Yes. Yes. All right. If you if you pull up the bill, um, all right. House give me bill one second. 15, I will. Fifteen thirty nine, and if you go to page seventeen. looking it up there i am looking it up so as i'm looking this up let's talk about uh let's talk about the 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 judge's side of it like they're saying that you know you pass this bill immediately it's going to end up in a court it's they're going to overturn it and it's not going to do any good what's your response to that while you're pulling it up i'm just going to let you read parts of the bill here okay okay matt i think that's going to be the easiest explanation here all right i believe i am there okay so if you're on page 17 uh, let me get there. I mean, I was there, but not there. All right. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, and as I'm looking this up, I just want to do a, a, a quick uh, shout out to the bourbon. I mean, I, I got to be a critic on that, too. I like it. What do you think? It's, it's good stuff. It's yeah. Got, it's got some bite to it. It's, it, it does. It's definitely yeah. something you sip. You don't, you don't <laughs> chew this stuff. And you don't mix it with Coke, either. All right? <laughs> you sip it. Neat. Yes. All Neat. right. So I'm on page 17. Where am I going? Okay, on page seventeen, mm-hmm. there's a section forty-four. Yep. Okay, and and this is just just to put it into context. Uh, this creates a new a new section in the Indiana Code uh, because we are actually taking out the abortion code. So the the one that we were talking about before, the statement that. Life begins at conception. Yep, that is in 1634, which is the abortion code, 
and we are just eliminating the entire abortion code. But there's that one phrase in there. There's actually two phrases, but there's that one phrase that says life begins at conception. So we're using that, and we're saying the General Assembly finds that life begins at conception. Which they do, according to the code. Yeah, it's already there. I mean, it's already there. It's not saying, yes. We're we're just restating what is already in Indiana code. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So that's the first statement that you find once, once you get to that part there. And then we have another finding of the General Assembly which addresses the ectopic pregnancy and any related anything as it relates to medical procedures with the mother and the baby. And that is that you will um, treat the baby and the mother equally um, in healthcare. Yes, yes. So, so the the idea there is the the legislature finds that in any kind of medical procedure, um, including ectopic pregnancy, but not limited to that, that the, the, the physician just considers them both to be equally valuable patients. So in, in the case of ectopic pregnancy, it's, it's, it's rare, but it does happen. And the, the doctor should, you know, the doctor's not going in there to kill the baby, but the baby can't survive so the ba- the doctor's just removing the baby so the mother can survive. Exactly, because it's pro-life. Indeed. We're, we're going to take out the baby because it's impossible mm-hmm. for a baby to mm-hmm. survive that. Mm-hmm. So, right? Yes, yes. And so you're going to protect the mother's life. Indeed. So the ectopic preg- pregnancy has nothing to do with, with uh, a reason or an excuse on why somebody would argue that this bill is, can't be passed because it includes that anymore. And, and in fact, you know, even last year when you when you uh, signed it or when you when you wrote it and you you send it, they were arguing the fact that it included ectopic pregnancies. But in reality, if you look at truth, there's no way those babies would ever survive anyhow. So that was just based on a lie. And I'm not, I'm talking to my listeners because this is what you're going to hear. This is what I've heard. Um, it's my experience on actually talking to local officials and and people who say they're pro-life this is what they said on why this bill could not be passed but that is completely this year it's new it's it's rewritten to specifically say that this bill is 100 pro-life not only is it going to abolish abortion in the state of indiana but it's always going to to choose life in whatever circumstance um the health uh, facilities, the health professionals find we always choose life. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And I'd just like to make another comment following up on that is, you know, we've, we've heard this, this argument, this discussion on this issue of the ectopic pregnancies for several years, probably since I filed the bill. Uh, it's been there. But when I've talked to the lawyers in LSA, the people that draft up our bills, and talking to those lawyers and, and bringing this up, they were like, and, and we've had different statements and different things but the that we've tried, and the lawyers have up to this point said, but it's not necessary. If you look at the structure of the bill, it's just not an issue. Right. Um, but people have continued to harp on that one. And so this year, we did find some language that I was able to, to work with the lawyers on, and, and we came up with this to address that 
objection uh, directly. Yep, and I, I think that's a great uh, addition to the bill because it just takes that argument away, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to defend it on some other. I mean, I'm again. Now I read the bill. Um, and when it comes to the court, isn't there language in there that says that like a court don't even have the ability to even overturn this yes. bill? Yes. So, so you're right there. So just scroll, just go a little farther down, and you will see some language there about the f- the court system and the federal government. Yeah. And I just appreciate if you just read some of that. Well, let me find it here, um, and I'm not sure if I can. It's a long bill. It's 39 pages. I don't know if I can find it on the fly, okay. but but it um, should start on page seventeen there. The even the uh, what the court stuff, okay, and the federal government stuff. All right. Well, I will definitely look for it here. Um, Sorry, I should have brought my computer. No, you're here. good. I should have told you to. So it goes through like the Tenth Amendment, yep, yep, and yep. then start start at the beginning of that section there. Okay. So Indian authority to assert to interest in protecting human physical life from the moment that human physical life begins is drawn from the following. The 10th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which provides that all powers not delegated to the United States elsewhere in the Constitution are reserved to the state or to the people. The 9th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which provides that the enumerations of certain rights within the constitution must not be construed to deny or disparage other rights retained by the people. Um, the declaration of independence, um, which acknowledges that life is endowed to all persons as an inalienable rights. The fact that the government of the United States and Indiana were instituted by the consent of the people, well, that's crazy, isn't it? We live in a time where it doesn't seem like that's the case. <laughs> in 1787 and 1816, which Indiana became a state, respectively to secure the inalienable rights acknowledged by the Decla- uh, Declaration of Independence. Um, and then it goes on to Chapter 4, Enforcement. Any act, law, treaty, order, rule, or regulation of the United States government that fails to protect a person's inalienable rights to life is null, void, and unenforceable in Indiana. The courts of the United States have no jurisdiction to interfere with the Indiana interest in protecting human physical life from the moment that human physical life begins. Any court decision, here we go, any court decision purporting uh, to stri- strike down or enjoin the provisions of this article or a public law enacting this article or enjoin the state of Indiana from protecting innocent human physical life from the moment of conception shall be treated as non-authoritative, uh, non-author- void, and of no force. It is unlawful for, unlawful for any official agent or employee of the United States government or an employee of a private entity providing services to the United States government to enforce any act, law, treaty, order, rule, or regulation of the United States government that interferes with Indiana's interest in protecting human physical life. From that moment, that human physical life begins. A prosecuting attorney may seek injunctive relief in the circuit court of the county in which the prosecuting attorney serves to enjoin any official agent or empower of the United States government or employee 
of the private entity providing service to the United States government from enforcing any act new. So when I read that, Kurt, I'm thinking that that bill cuts the 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 guts out of any court coming in and saying that that cannot be enforced. Yeah, simply said, the, the federal government has no jurisdiction in this matter. It's not in the United States Constitution. Abortion is not a right. It's not something the federal government does. It's not on the list. So the federal government can't do it. And what we're saying here is if the federal courts want to strike down this bill, if they want to send somebody into Indiana to force us to have abortions, uh, perform abortions, then the county sheriffs can arrest those people that come in. And that's as simple as it gets. You're right. And um, so going back to uh, just the bill in general, and, and again, like this bill is the most important bill that's going to be introduced all session and i know that there is a lot of things being introduced and then we have a lot of problems in the state of indiana and in our country but there cannot be a more important bill than this one um again uh me personally on a personal level my livelihood has been taken away um by government overreach uh by uh the governor being unconstitutional and, and, and as we fight that in court, which we're doing, and it's very important to us for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this bill right here trumps all that. This is way more important than the governor um, declaring executive orders that cripple our economy, take away our liberty, and cause harm on the Hoosiers' lives. And that is terrible, and that is bad. But this bill, what we're talking about right now, the uh, abolition of abortion, to abolish abortion in the state of Indiana, there is not a more important bill that will ever be written in this legislation this year or going forward. So as Christians, um, we know, we know, We know we're under God's judgment. We look at the country, we look at what's happening, and we know that God's judgment is here, and and, and we deserve it. If you really are honest and you read your scriptures, you know for a nation that turns its back on God and starts doing things that are right in their own eyes and start um, um, playing God, and start going against God and calling what is right wrong and what's wrong right. There's consequences, and you can read it all through Judges, all through Samuel, you, you all through history. You can Rome. Why, why isn't Rome the big powerful country in 2020 that it used to be back in biblical ages? It's because God judged them. And I will argue, and I believe, that God is judging America today. And the number one reason why God is judging America today, number one, most important, is because we're killing our babies. Fathers who are called to be protectors of their family. Mothers who are called to be nurturers of their, of their, of their children. They're making decisions 
to kill their their children and in through abortion that the state says is right and that the government says is right but as God's law says is extremely wicked so I truly believe that we have got to repent as individuals we have got to repent as communities we have got to repent as states and we got to repent as a country and turn back to God for our bless for for him to bless us and so we're talking about a state issue here we're talking about the state of Indiana and you know what we are we are, and I'm going to use this language because I am um, an abolitionist and I'm not saying this is Kurt Nisley's language and I'm not saying that he probably agrees in the exactly the same way I agree I don't know honestly if he does or not but this isn't this is towards your our listeners this is towards you guys as individuals we we have got to stop murdering our children it's wicked it's unnatural it goes against God's laws and his statutes and so by the grace of God we have a gentleman by the name of Kurt Nisley and John Jacob who brought forth a bill. This is the fifth year. Fifth year. They have brought forth this bill. And they're saying, hey, it isn't law because the uh, United States Supreme Court can't make law. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, Kurt, but did you notice back when uh, um, Joe Biden was campaigning and he somebody asked him, like, what are you going to do if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. And he's like, well, we'll just make it law then. Did you see that? <laughs> I don't remember those he, exact yes, words. Yes, look it up. He's yeah. like, you know what? We'll just have to pass it and make it law then. Yeah. It's not law. It's not and law. And even if it was law, Indiana still could, just like the governor of New York, uh, Como, and, and Wolf of uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, Newsom of California, like they went against the federal government this whole time with the pandemic and they absolutely has been harsh and unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. They don't care what the federal government says, do they? Mm -hmm. Right. And we can do the same thing. Well, and and another simple example, you know, California and other states have uh, made marijuana legal and they've just said, no, you know, sorry, federal government, you know, whatever laws you have on the books, we're not going to follow them because Uh, they have power. The state has power. Sanctuary cities. Yeah. Uh, for for illegal immigrants, yeah, uh, there's there's lots of examples like that where states have just said no to the federal government, yeah. uh, have nullified the federal powers, and yeah. that's exactly what we're doing here. Exactly, and and it's it, it can be done. Um, we as a state can do it. We can abolish abortion in the state of Indiana, even though um, even though they say we can't. They, our leaders are, and I'm not misspeaking here when I say this because I've talked to them. My representative, um, our governor, a lot of representatives, 98 of them maybe, says that we can't do it. But in reality, we can. So the question is, is why don't we do it? And honestly, it comes down probably, in my opinion, to money. I mean, if you go back to what Mike Pence did with the religious liberty back in 2015 or 16. That was in 15. That was my 
first year. First year. Yeah, so it was a great bill. I mean, yeah. and it was right. Yeah, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It was yeah. Good, good bill. The federal government had it. Bill Clinton signed it early 90s. And it's been done before. And lots of other states had at that point. Yep. I think 13, if not more, I know at least 13 states at that point has done it. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it caught fire. And good morning, America. And all these people picked it up, national news. And then all of a sudden, we get the NCAA saying they're pulling out. We get Angie's List saying they're pulling out. We we get all these corporations. Every, every convention was was going to leave Indianapolis. Yep. That's what they told us. Right. And what happened because of that? Do you remember? So... Well, the Governor Pence signed the fix one week yep. to the day after he signed the original bill. Yep. By the way, that was the first bill that I was a see it was a Senate bill, so I'd have been a, a sponsor, a House sponsor of the bill. Uh, that one was my first one. I was in the governor's office for signing of the original yep. um, Religious Freedom Restoration Act bill. So, uh, <clears throat> did you sign the fix? I voted against the fix. There were three Republicans in the House that voted against the fix. I was one of those three. I was the only freshman. You know, Kurt, I'm glad you said that because I had no idea. I'm like, this is getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah, we got some bourbon in us, but still, I'm like, you know, I have no idea what you did. I had, you know, and and again, it just shows your consistency of of being on the right side, being on the right side of history, being on the right side of the Constitution being on the right side of the Indiana State Constitution. Like, every bill you put out, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then everybody's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why, why why, can't we pass these bills? So, again, Kurt, and I didn't know what your answer was going to be to that. I really <laughs> didn't. I was like, oh, this might have to be edited. But, uh, but it's good to know that you are honestly about liberty. You're about life. And you're about the pursuit of happiness. And every bill that I have seen come through that you have authored or or co-authored, like I couldn't be more excited for for what you're offering. And it's just really disappointing that there isn't more backing from your fellow um, representatives and, and even in the state senate. It seems like it seems like there's just not. Well, here's the deal. Every person in Indiana has a representative. Um, the, the Indiana Constitution, very clear. You have to divide up the state um, to 100 parts. They have to be equal. They have to be with one, within 1% of each other in population. Uh, so each, each person in Indiana has a representative in the House of Representatives to represent them. Okay? If you are not happy with the way you're being represented, then... That's what elections are for. Um, every every two years, uh, that's that's where term limits come in place. Here, we don't have term limits as in a limit of a specific number of terms, but what we have is elections every two years, and it gives you the opportunity to decide: Do you like the way you're being represented, or don't you? And if if you don't like it, you can do something about it. And that is exactly true. And you know, in two years, we're going to have a we're going to have an opportunity to again raise our voices and vote. And 
you know, I'm hoping that Indiana gets abolished this year, or abortion gets abolished abortion this year. Gets abolished. <laughs> it's not I don't want Indiana. Indiana to get abolished. I want abortion mm-hmm. to be abolished, and I'm hoping that that happens um, again. You know, as going to the abortion mills and actually seeing all these mothers and the fathers dropping the mothers off and going in and letting them go into that place like that and getting violated by a man and ending the children's their child's life it's so emotional and it's so it's so heart grieving that you know you just want to know how do we get here and, and and where do we go but we do know where we go and and so by the grace of God, Kurt, I hope that uh, I hope this bill passes. I hope that uh, 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 abortion is abolished and and we repent of our sin of of killing our children in the state. Um, and I just hope that other legislators see it this way and they and and they stop playing politics with it. They stop fear fearing of what courts will do and they just kind of sign their name and stand back and say what are you going to do and and you know what i mean like have boldness and say Mm -hmm. i'm signing my name to that bill Mm -hmm. and i'm voting for that bill and and courts bring it on uh we're gonna fight it because this is what's right indeed amen well kurt thank you so much for joining me today is there anything else you'd want to say that i did not get to or i think we've we've covered a lot of things and if you get me going i could talk on a whole lot of other things too Uh, well no this has been very good very focused and i really appreciate this okay well thank you i appreciate it too um i really do i uh, there's nothing more than i want than abortion to be abolished and as christians in this community as christians in this state there's really no excuse on why we're doing it um and i do want to encourage um residents of wells county and residents of any county you're at in the hoosier state to hold your elected official accountable call them talk to them you know you could email them but I would say that, like, write them a letter. Send them a real letter. So if they, like, get a lot of mail and their mailbox are full, they have to, like, acknowledge that. Emails they can probably just ignore pretty easily. I don't know. That's my thinking. So, you know, but show, tell them that you want them to support this bill, that you want to stop killing Hoosier children, and, and that you want this nonsense to end and this wickedness to end, and pray, and you know, we can pray, and and we should pray, but we also have got to um, take action, and so we need we need to really bump up against our our representatives, and let them know that we need to end abortion, and this bill will do it. Now I know that the state house has canceled everything for the next week. Does that affect anything? Uh, I get to be at home for this week. That's it. Like yeah. the, everything's going to go on as normal, though. Well, after this. Well, well, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably everything is just delayed by a week. All so, right. so the the uh, committees that we're supposed to meet be meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. We'll just meet Tuesday and Wednesday the next week. Yeah. Uh, we're only in session on Thursdays this year, at least this for the beginning here, yeah. and so. 
you know, we're not having a session this coming Thursday, but then we'll have a session the following Thursday. So how many uh, times did you have session prior to COVID? How many days a week? Normally three days. Normally it was Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday every week. Uh, and now it's just and Thursday. Just, just Thursday. So that's going to draw the, it out longer, or are they just going to get more done well, in one day? we changed the rules to allow the speaker to change the deadlines, which means it is very possible, highly likely, that session will get uh, drug out longer okay. than normal. All right. So there you have it. Um, thank you guys for listening. I do appreciate it. Um, thank you, Kurt, just, again. Uh, one, one final thought here. You got it. Okay. In 2020, more babies died because of abortion than Hoosiers died of COVID-19 here in Indiana. Well, if these microphones weren't so expensive, I'd allow you to dr- just drop that, you know, like a mic drop. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, we did all the shutdowns, all the 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 crazy stuff to save. We could save more people, more Hoosier lives by just banning abortion than all this COVID restrictions. Wow. Well, guys, that's the truth. Uh, those are facts that you're going to have to wrestle with, and I'm going to have to wrestle with, and we have to uh, we have to support this bill. We really do. Um, going to work and getting busy, I get it. I really, I, I get it. Raising a family, we have all these things on our plates, but we have got to really push for this bill. We we've got to. There's no options. We have an opportunity to end abortion in the state of Indiana. And if we end it, tons of states would follow, don't you think? The first state that does it, I think there'll be a domino effect of uh, people doing it. Absolutely. Because everybody in their hearts know it's wrong. Yes. And, And everybody knows that this is nonsense, but yet nobody's been able to do it. So... Again, contact your officials. Please do that. It's very important. If you have not done that for any other bill, so be it. All right? Do it for this bill. Do it because this is the most wicked, um, grievous thing that we have ever seen in this country, and that's abortion. You know, you look at slavery, and, and you look at, like, even Germany, and... And killing the Jews, like that's gonna abortion is gonna end up in history, like those oh, two things, isn't it? It will. It will. It is. Yeah. And yeah, this fifty-year period in American history, when we were killing babies, when the government was licensing and and regulating the killing of babies, that's gonna go in, down in history someday as just the most worst time of of history ever. Uh, and it's important to, first of all, to be right with God. And then second of all, when you're right with God, you'll be on the right side of history. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. Hey, subscribe, tell your friends, and and, and please, we would appreciate it um, if you would let people know about this podcast. And we look forward to seeing you guys here soon. Have a great day. And uh, God bless.